Welcome to the Developer Diaries. Our guest for episode nine is Principal Software Architect and Microsoft MVP, John Kilmister, who started off as a developer, became a manager, and is now a software architect. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I've been a software engineer since uh, well, since I left school, really. I worked in a whole host of industries. Um, and then today, as you briefly mentioned, I'm a software architect helping teams get the most out of their, their code. Can you tell us a little bit about how you first interacted with code? Um, when was that moment? What was your experience like? Back in the late 90s, um, it wasn't a situation where there were hundreds of computers and uh, everyone had access to them. They were starting to get introduced into the school. It wasn't necessarily something I could take as a qualification at that point. But I'd always had a, an interest in it. And then yeah, coding just started appealing to me when the advent of the internet came along. You could start to see how you could really get use out of it. When the web came along, it was just at that that time, I must have been about 16 or so. And you could look at the HTML, you could quickly build something, see it working, and you could start to see a practical kind of application for it, something that was fun. But I didn't take it academically um, for, for many years uh, later. And even when I went on to do my degree, it wasn't in a pure computer science uh, course. I did informa business information systems, which was a mixture of business and computing. Right. Do you remember what your first coding project was, either with HTML or anything? Ooh. There were a number, I guess. So a number of things that kind of stick out. I remember um, going back to the electronics, actually, um, creating a Visual Basic 6 application for decoding the colors on a, on a transistor. So on a resistor, sorry, resistor. Yeah, I'm rusty on the electronics now, but uh, yeah, no, I remember the colors on the resistor all equate, uh, the lines all equate to uh, different values. Um, and my dad had like a paper card for it. And I remember converting that into a VB6 app. And the story with VB6 is quite interesting. So I decided I wanted to do some programming. Um, and it was the early days before you could kind of watch a YouTube video. YouTube didn't exist back then. Um, and I went into a shop and I was starting to look at the computer books on the shelf. And just a random stranger recommended that I start with, uh, with Visual Basic 6. And that's kind of how I started, really. And that took me into the Microsoft space. So from VB6, I then went on to um, ASP. When I joined my first company, um, I was doing a Visual Basic 6 to .NET conversion to .NET 1.1. Nice. And then I've just stuck with .NET Framework all the way through. And then more recently, that's moved up into the cloud. So it's called Azure um, .NET with um, .NET interacting with the, with the Azure cloud. So it all really stems back, actually, really to that random encounter in that shop of that person recommending um, VB6. Can you sort of outline the path of how you went from being just like a student, a hacker, to a developer, to a manager, and to where you are today as a software architect? Um, in those early days, I it was just a hobbyist. They're just interested in, in doing bits and pieces. And I did do some, um, some jobs. I, I built a few HTML websites, first for a, a local church, and then um, for someone that was wanting to catalog a load of um, folk music. Um, so yeah, I did bits and pieces, got a little bit more um, knowledge around HTML and then JavaScript. I went through, um, through school, as I said, not having any kind of computing background in, in the schooling environment. Little bits and pieces here, but no um, kind of qualifications as such. 
and I went to uh, choose my um, my university course. And I wasn't sure at that point that I really wanted to commit to, um, it seems silly now, sitting in front of a computer all day. Um, I think we all do that now. But at the time, yeah. when I was, uh, what, 17, 18, I was like... When you had a choice, yeah. Yeah, is, is that really what I wanted to do? So, um, and I'd done, a, I'd done quite a lot of work around business studies um, during my education up until that point. So I did this course called Business Information Systems, which really brought together the two uh, the two sides and actually I, if you were to link it to a job that I see in the workplace today it's probably more of a business analyst kind of job so in that degree I did do a little bit of programming a little bit of databases but it wasn't heavy it was it was quite broad in its spec in, in kind of what it was doing so um, when I left there um, I was looking for a role and there were lots of graduate schemes, but they required me to travel around the country. And that really wasn't something I wanted to, to do. Um, so I just started applying for, for various jobs. And I was finding it a real struggle. Um, at the time, I didn't know how to approach the job market. So um, I joined a company that uh, promised to teach you um, uh, Microsoft, um, uh, Microsoft exams and then get you a role based on those. Yeah, when I went into that, um, I didn't really know much um, about kind of the certification process for the for the Microsoft exams and various bits and pieces. And and at the time, actually, the Microsoft exams were pitched at people who'd been in the industry some time. That's not the case anymore. There are exams for all levels, which is great to see. But at the time, they were pitched a lot higher, and I and I really struggled um, with with that. But it did teach me. Um, teach me the basics of .NET. From that, I was able to actually um, find a job. And um, I was looking for a job for a little while. And then I had like three offers in the same week, which that was quite a, quite a surprise, but something that would later on be repeated um, when I've been looking for jobs. So yeah. just been in that fortunate situation. So yeah, my first job, I joined an organization that was doing a big rewrite project of a desktop application from Visual Basic 6 over into .NET. Um, were these, sorry, were these job offers um, sort of provided to you by the bootcamp? Did you apply to them directly? No, no. So the um, the bootcamp wasn't particularly well run at the time. Yeah, you were it, like one of the guinea pig people to. Yeah. 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 So looking back on it now, it, in some ways, I'd say it was a, a bad move for me because I paid for it and it didn't really work out. But everything is a is a learning experience and everything's a stepping stone if i hadn't have gone on done that at that time i wouldn't have got a little bit of knowledge to be able to get my first job so yeah nice. that, that first job was really key because they were rewriting this application it was a waterfall project um which obviously isn't the way we would do it now but we are talking sort of yeah 15 20 years ago it was a really small tight-knit team and there was a really good um mentor there really that helped me learn about well what does it mean to develop software in a commercial environment? Those early years, I was developing my skills, getting to um, try lots of different things. I spent about six or seven years at that company. Being a small team, there's not a lot of opportunity to progress. But as people left and things that did come up and I got I got involved in the hiring process and um at some of the more more senior decisions and as you're in an organization for longer people come to you and ask for your advice and you become more confident about giving that advice or doing the research in order to be able to do that so kind of start to build some of those manager skills that i would come on later to to use um, the next organization i joined 
I didn't initially join as um, oh uh, as a more senior person, but I quickly moved up into into that position. It was a larger organization, and for the first time, I was introduced to code that had to work in multiple languages, multiple currencies, and working with a a much much larger team of developers. It introduced me to things like design patterns and uh, test uh, TDD and some of the testing practices that I would later come to re to rely on. So moving to a new organization got me to see lots of new things. And I think, although staying at one organization can be really good, um, having a small team for a really long time that doesn't have a lot of new people in, you do risk sometimes um, the the risk the challenge of kind of getting stale in some of the skills. Um, you're not seeing new things come in. You don't necessarily have the time to practice some of the things you might see or learn. From that, I was offered a job at a company that was building a new development team. And by this time, I'd had quite a bit of experience under my belt. I'd been a, uh, a senior developer for, for a number of years. And there was a group of us, a small group of um, senior engineers and lead engineers and we were asked to help start this new IT department. And it was a greenfield project. So we got to, to rewrite all of the stuff that was there. And we decided to do things uh, as much as you can um, in the best possible way. So bringing all of the experience that we had, all the things that we'd seen done, and we built out this new product. But from the ground up, we decided that we were going to do continuous delivery. We were going to do um, heavy, uh, heavy uh, testing everywhere. Um, and all the kind of things now, um, this was still sort of, what, eight years ago. So, um, but all the things that we we kind of take for granted a little bit today, although not a lot of organizations still aren't, still aren't doing them. Um, but yeah, we decided to do that best practice, uh, or at least what we saw as uh, best practice at the time, and learn from our, our experiences. Towards the end of that role, I was feeling that my job was becoming more manager and less technical. So senior technical roles are a particular skill set the same with managing uh, people i feel that i got into a position where i was being asked to do both and i needed to be able to dedicate my time 100 percent to one or 100 percent to the other in order to make the best of it yeah. i felt from the technical side i wasn't hands in with the code anymore and there are software architects that don't don't code as much but for me I needed to be able to still be writing code, still be able to understand what the uh, the engineers were working on. Maybe not necessarily coding features, but having an understanding when they say, well, I could do A, B or C, which should I do? I have the co technical context in order to answer those questions. Yeah. So I felt got a little bit distant from that. And on the, the people side of things, I felt I needed to uh, spend more time um, improving my skills, you know, different training courses, different ways of learning to help support those individuals, and also being able free to have time to sit down with people on a regular basis for one-to-ones. Um, so in my mind and, and the role that I was in, I, I didn't feel I could do do both. You can talk to your current employer and they, as they, as they were very accommodating, I said, yeah, it's fine. We'll move you back to one role or another. However, everyone's experience of working with you in that organization is well john was the technical person i'll go to him for technical things so even though i was at some points in a more managerial role i was still being asked technical things because i'd always been the technical person for me it was time to to move on to another organization where i could focus on technical and and that's what i've done um so now 
I am in, a, in an organization where I purely focus on the technical as a software architect, um, but I'm a software architect that is very hands-on creating proof of concepts, prototypes, improving the developer and onboarding experience, um, working with the engineers to do design documents, um, API designs, um, early early proof of concepts and things like that. So very much a, a hands-on architect inside an organization. And um, although I enjoyed working on the, the management side, the, the people management side, um, I feel much happier at the moment working back on the the technical side. Yeah. And I think that's really important to, to find yeah. what you enjoy doing. Um, and it doesn't mean that the other things are gone forever. It just means that at the moment, personally, I felt I needed to focus on, on the technical side and that's what brought me the most enjoyment. So, yeah. yeah. I do like how a lot of your journey like especially in the middle area, sort of like falling into certain roles and just going with the flow and then taking what you learn out of that experience to decide what the rest of your career is going to look like. Yeah, you, you're exactly right. I, I've never applied for a job that is above my current role. Um, and actually, if you look at the job titles explicitly, I've always taken a step back in job title each time I've moved between companies. Um, yeah. Job titles are a bit of a funny thing because every company has different titles for, and the roles are subtly, are subtly different as well. Um, but yeah, I've never kind of thought, oh, I always want to be this role. And then I've gone either externally or internally and applied for it. I've always um, kind of worked hard and worked towards um, kind of doing the best work I can and focusing on the air, showing people the areas that I'm particularly strong at. And naturally, um, I've just been in a fortunate situation where things have evolved um, for me to have those roles. Um, it's often internally, you do the role before you're offered the role anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you do have to be at an organization where that's possible. If you're at a company that's only got two or three developers, then the opportunities may never, may never come up. Yeah. Well, in that case, when you're looking for new roles outside of your current company, what do you look for um, if it's not, I want to get into a higher level position? Yes, it's a really interesting question. So when I started, um, I was just, I come out of university. I'd just done that that short course and, and learned a bit of .NET. And to be honest, I was looking for anything, that anybody that, that was willing to, to have me to get that experience. Yeah. I was lucky and fortunate. I ended up at a company that, as I said, had a mentor and supported me. Right. But I guess... Moving on from there, um, I had a little bit of opportunity to think a bit more about what I wanted to do. And even more recently in the in the last job search that I did, um, having a bit more experience gave me the gave me the, um, the sort of privileged position to be a bit more choosy about the, the locations. And I but I think yeah. some of the lessons that I've got are probably can still uh, still apply. Technology is one of one thing. So um, I was very keen to stick with what I'd already um, learned and built my career upon. So for me, the two kind of things that were definite is that I wanted to build uh, my career on Azure. I saw the cloud as the future and then I'd spent a number of years doing that. So I wanted a role where I was going to continue to do that. I also wanted to stick with um, .NET as well, C Sharp because um, it's a language I particularly enjoyed and it was something I had. Roles did come up in completely um, different languages. I wasn't bothered about front-end or JavaScript. So that was one thing for me. And the other thing was the um, was the type of company. I've always worked for companies where we build the software in-house 
and then we support it. Um, so we build it, we maintain it, we add extra features and things like that. That's quite different than, say, consultancy or contracting, um, which is quite different than a software house and, and those things. M more recently, when I was looking for a role, I was looking for one where I would ideally be, um, be maintaining software and, and kind of building on what we, we already had. And then the third thing is really about the culture of the company. And this is something really hard to get from the outside. Different companies treat um, the IT function differently. Um, some companies I've seen treat it very much as an overhead and um, they, uh, it, it's not necessarily seen as the place to, um, the place to invest a lot, of, a lot of money. I think that's probably changing more recently as every, every organization is realizing the importance of IT. There's that and looking at the turnover of staff. And you can see that on LinkedIn and things. If people are continually leaving, then that might not be necessarily the, the best sign. You might not have the luxury of, of um, having a, a choice between someone that wants to employ you but has a high turnover of staff. Um, but for me, where I was in the privileged position of, of having a little bit of choice um, yeah. and the market at the time I was looking for the job was um, there were lots of um, roles and very few people applying for them. Um, so I was in that privileged position where I, I could be a bit more um, selective. Yeah. Is there any career decision that you made that if you got a chance to go back in time, you would change? Yes, I would actually. Um, well, as I said before, I think maybe it's my outlook on things that I try to take a positive from everything that I've, I've done. You know, even if something goes badly and, and things do go wrong, we can learn something from that. Even if it is as simple as not to do it again, but there's probably uh, deeper lessons to be learned. The one thing that I would probably do different, um, the first um, company I stayed at for probably too long um, is a small organization. And my manager always promised things would be different. Um, and and every time it was like, well, you know, oh, we're getting we're getting this happening or this is happening soon and it's all going to be different or we'll rearrange and things things will be different next time. And it was my first big job as I, I stayed there uh, about seven years or so. And I was scared to move to the next role. I was like, I had a comfortable, uh, a comfortable job. I knew what I was doing. I knew yeah. the technologies. I was able to answer, you know, a lot of the business questions and things like that. And I feel like the longer you stay in a place, the harder it gets to leave as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So I would say that that was probably um, regret might not, might be too strong a word, but I think looking back on it, if I um, if I did it again, I guess I would have um, I would like to think that I would have uh, kind of seen some of the signs earlier on that I that it was time to actually leave. And when I did come to leave that that company, it wasn't in a in a good way. Uh, unfortunately, I think I'd pushed myself far too close to the limit of, of kind of yeah. Uh, my mental health and everything and really I should have identified that earlier um, and and kind of stepped away way sooner but yeah you know when I left that company I joined um, a different one that gave me different experiences and that opportunity may not have been available if I'd left a year earlier so yeah. you've made a lot of like career shifts within companies and everything are there any transferable skills between the roles that you've had? I mean, I'm sure there are, but could you sort of outline what those transferable skills are from being a developer to a senior developer to, you know, a manager role to a software architect? The one biggest skill I think that um, 
kind of goes unnoticed. It's communication. Very rarely are you going to be a sole developer um, developing something unless you work for yourself and you don't interact with anybody else. Um, even if you're the only developer in the company, you have to work with the person, you know, giving you requirements and things like that. But more so, if you are one of many engineers, you you need to be able to explain your ideas, your concepts. You need to be able to um, take what the requirements that you've got. And if you don't understand them, communicate clearly why you don't understand them. Or if you see a gap in them, which developers are really good at spotting gaps in uh, requirements, being able to communicate that clearly and precisely back to the uh, back to the stakeholder or whoever, if it may be your team leader. And it's something that does translate really well between the different levels of, of different engineers. Continuous learning is also is also that thing that I mentioned briefly about hiring and looking for people who have that kind of thirst for, for learning the new thing. Equally, it's important that that's within you as a you as a person as well, not being phased by something new or unexpected. Go, OK, well, I don't know that now. I'll be honest about that. I'll go away and learn it and just keep keep working at developing those um, those skills to it's the skills of learning maybe is what I'm trying to get at um, I think yeah. there is a skill in being an efficient learner and there's lots of useful techniques for that yeah but we were in an industry that's continually changing I talked heavily about visual basic six previously and that's something that I haven't used in what 10 plus years um and there's lots of other things that I've used that are no longer relevant um things continually change you know, and that's we see new things come up on the horizon. We've got to we've got to embrace them and got to learn them. So learning how to learn and finding what works for you, because there is no one way, uh, is, again, another really important skill that I think um, that isn't necessarily one that people shout about. But it has by having a good like mechanism for learning. Um, yeah, it really does help you. Yeah, I love that, especially because it's a great segue into our next episode. We're going to spend a lot of time deep diving into what are basically the things that you need to learn in order to become like a well-rounded developer. Um, well, thank you so much, John, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.